Good morning, Cross Points. We are glad that you decided to join us online this morning for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that have tuned in for the stream today. Uh, we're glad that you've decided to join us. We are going to sing a couple songs, uh, get into a message, and then we'll end our service with a couple songs as well if you're joining us for the first time. We are obviously are here to worship our God, and we're going to sing songs directly to him. Whether you know the songs or not, we just invite you to jump in. We've got a new song that we're going to actually teach you here in a few minutes, and we just ask you just to jump in as soon as you can. If you're singing alone in your house or with others in a living room, we just hope that you just close your eyes, focus on the words, and just worship God with us this morning. So let's go ahead and do that now. haven't been the mountains the valleys the places within my soul you know there's not a moment you're not by our side you pull us from darkness to glorious light you make a way you go before us lead on lead on storm that your word cannot still we rest in you there is no power you can't overcome there is no battle the cross Lead on, lead on, King Eternal. Lead on, lead on. 
right, we're, like I said, we're going to teach you this next song. It's called Follow You Anywhere. All I want is you. Sing that one more time. Where 
is why we're here. That's why we decided to gather uh, online this morning uh, is to worship God and to tell him that we'll follow you anywhere. Um, let's go ahead and uh, turn it over to Paul and let's get into the word this morning. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning. Uh, last week, we talked about denying ourselves and following Jesus, right? That ultimate choice that we make. But we talked about how that choice comes at a cost. Now, the cost is great, but the reward is even better because we receive salvation when we choose to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. But salvation isn't the only thing that we receive from Jesus when we make this choice. We also receive a new purpose. You see, Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And before we go any further, I want to just kind of lay it all out there. There's going to be some challenges in the sermon this morning where I'm going to challenge you to think about ways that you can make changes to be a better follower of Jesus, because that's really what this sermon series is all about. And I, I feel like I have to say this because uh, I get angry face, like resting angry face when I start talking about things that I'm passionate about and things that I think are important. At no point today or this morning am I angry. Uh, I am going to challenge you a little bit. So if you're thinking to yourself at, at some point, man, Paul seems mad. Just know I'm not mad. I'll try to remember to smile. But this is important stuff for us. And so I think it's intense and, and I get a little intense. And so I just want to say that. Now that I've said that, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, and we talked a little bit about this story last week, but it said, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. You see, the instant that we accept Christ, the very moment that we accept Christ, we are given a new purpose. And that purpose is the same one that he gave to the, the disciples the moment he called them, to become fishers of men. And, and when we make the decision to deny ourselves and to take up our cross, we are committing we are making the commitment to say that I will fulfill the purpose that Jesus has now placed on my life. And so it's extremely important that we understand that that, that commitment is one that we're making. You know, we look at these men, the, these early disciples that were called, they had good lives. They worked for themselves at their own discretion. They were their own bosses, so to speak. They were fishermen. And, and they left those lives in order to follow Jesus. But because our, our newly given purpose is not one of selfish ambition, it's not one of comfortability, it's not one of this is what works best for me, it's recognizing who Christ is, what Christ has to offer, and saying, because I want to follow him, I'm going to follow him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my strength. And that means that we become fishers of men. So, so here's the first challenge, to fish for people. To fish for people, to become fishers of men. Now, this is a universal purpose, and I say that for two reasons. The first is this. If you're a Christian, every single Christian has this singular purpose. Now, we may fulfill this purpose in different ways, through different means, through different talents and gifts, but the singular purpose is this, to fish for men and women and children, 
to spread our faith, to share the good news that has been brought to us. And the second reason I say this is because this purpose is directed at every single person in the entire world. From the biggest city to the littlest bush communities in faraway corners of the earth. It's directed at every single person because God so loved the world that it's inclusive of everyone. And so we have to understand that this responsibility that we have, it is to, to spread the word of Christ, to spread his good news, to love our neighbor, to love our God, to do that in a way that everyone has a chance to witness his love and experience the love that he has for us. As Christians, we should be fishing every day in every sea that we're in. A lot of metaphor here. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, this is our most important duty as Christians. It's our most important duty as Christians because it does fulfill the greatest commandment. It's loving our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And it's fulfilling the one that's also like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. See, the most loving thing that we can do for anyone, for anyone, is to share the good news of Jesus, to evangelize, to become fishers of men. This is what Jesus said was the most important thing. And something that further cements that, something that dawned on me this week, you know, Jesus' ministry started and ended with the same call. When he calls the early disciples, he tells them, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. And then right before he leaves them in Matthew 16 through 20, he says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, that command to come and become fishers of men and to go into all nations, it's the same command. It's the same command. And those two commands bookend Jesus' journey here on earth, or I should say his ministry here on earth. It starts and ends the exact same way with the call to come and spread and share the good news. To chase after people in a loving way that shows them the love that they have in Christ. All authority on heaven and earth is his. And what does he do with it? He chooses to remind people, to remind us that he loves people and that he wants us to love them as well. If it was me, I'd be seeing what kind of things I could turn into food and gold. Not Jesus. Not a selfish bone in his body. He's not taking the gift that he's been giving and hoarding it for himself. Which is honestly what we do as Christians when we say we will take the gift of salvation. We'll take the, the gift that Jesus gave to us on the cross but we're going to keep it for ourselves. And at that point, at that point, are we any better than the atheist who 
just completely denies the existence of God. What good is it for us to hoard our treasures? What good is it for us to keep salvation to our own selves? Are we not then responsible for damning others to an eternity in hell? I don't want to be that person. I don't want to have that on my head. I don't think that you do either. Now, each of us has to fulfill this universal purpose through unique means. And so the second challenge I give you is really one, it's really a question. It's really something I want you at home personally to think about. How might you serve in fulfilling this purpose? How might you serve in fulfilling the universal purpose of becoming a fisher of men, of becoming an evangelist? See, the goal is to be fishers of men. It's to, it's to spread our faith, to make disciples, and, and again, to be evangelistic by sharing our faith, living our faith, and working for our faith. And we do this by becoming missionaries. But the thing is, we don't have to travel to some foreign land to become a missionary. Because every time we meet in these four walls, and every day that you come across people who don't know Jesus, you have the opportunity to be a missionary. You have the opportunity to be on mission, to do mission. Every Sunday, people walk through these doors, or in our case right now, watch on Facebook or YouTube who, who need the good news of Jesus, who need to see that there's a God that loves them, that there's a God that cares for them. And the only way that they're going to do that is to see that there's people that love them and that care for them and that are here to serve them just like Jesus came here to serve all of us. The only way that they're going to know that that exists is through our actions and the way that we live our life. And, and listen, we regularly go outside these four walls and provide opportunities for you at home to serve and to be evangelistic. We, we, we provide those opportunities all the time. And listen, I, I want to be very clear. Some of you at home watching this are not in good enough health to be able to do some of the things that, that we provide, and I understand that. There's other ways that you can serve, even if it's just through prayer. So this isn't some challenge or charge that I'm asking somebody to ruin their health or hurt themselves to complete. But you at home who are able body and who can serve but just don't because it doesn't fit in your busy schedule or it doesn't quite match up with what you want to do, we've got to get past that. We've got to get past that. Because I'll be honest, even at Crosspoint, and it's not just Crosspoint, it's a big church problem, big C church, but, but at Crosspoint, we have very few workers who are willing to do the work. And this problem, like I said, is not unique to our church. This is really every church for the most part. This was the early church. If we look in Luke 10, 1 through 12, after Jesus had appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 
The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's few people who actually want to do that work. It's the 90-10 rule. I don't know if you ever heard this, but they talk about how in organizations, 90% of the work is usually done by about 10% of the people. Now, our numbers, because I kind of crunched them and I went through everybody who serves regularly and people who I've even seen serve at different things, our numbers aren't quite that bad. Okay, it's not quite that bad. It's not 90-10. But in a church of about 40 adults, in a church of about 40 of adults, 10% is four adults. Again, our numbers aren't quite that bad. We have more than four people doing the work of our church, but they're not much better than that. They're not much better than that. I'm not just talking about serving. I'm talking about actually serving. And you see what happens when this lack of participation is a problem is that the people who are serving eventually get burnt. They get burnt. They get tired. They feel unappreciated. And then they quit. And all of those responsibilities fall onto church leadership. And then you know what happens? They get tired. They feel underappreciated. And then they quit. See, the only qualification required for any of us to serve, any of us to serve, it's the only one, is the willingness to say yes. That's really it. It's the willingness to say yes. It doesn't have to be something that you're overly passionate about. It doesn't have to be something that you're overly qualified for, right? We can all learn new skills. It doesn't have to be something that you necessarily feel called to do. Hopefully you find those things out there. But even when you're working in that calling, sometimes all the church needs is for you to be able to say, yes, yes, I'm willing. Yes, I will do it. You know, Jesus called fishermen to be his first disciples. Jesus called fishermen to be his first disciples, not scholars, not trained orators, not people who before this moment ever guessed that they would be anything other than fishermen. I think he did that on purpose to show us that really the only qualification to be a disciple, the only qualification to be evangelistic, the only qualification to reach the world for Jesus is the willingness to say yes. So my question to you at home today is, are you willing to say yes to the various needs of our church? Because we have needs. We need people to serve with the sound booth and to, to put on Sunday mornings. We need more teachers in our small group area so that our teachers that are in there don't get burnt out. We need people to help make sure our facilities stay clean. We need people to greet people on Sunday mornings when we can finally get back to doing so, as long as you'll do it six feet apart. Right? But, but we, we have plenty of roles for you to fill, plenty of opportunities for you to get plugged in all we need you to do is say yes. Say yes. And then my final challenge is this. It's the final one for today. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, our church should be doing fill in the blank. Our church should be doing fill in the blank. Or why aren't we doing fill in the blank? I would, I'm just going to, I don't know if I should share this or not, but I'm going to. I know for a fact that we have had people leave our church 
because they felt like we should be doing something that we're not doing. My question to them would be, one, did you bring it up to us? And two, why didn't you do it? Because the only qualification is to say yes. See, the thing that lots of us want in church is for our church to check all the boxes we want it to check, but only on our terms. Only on our terms. Again, not angry, happy, smiling, just challenging you. We, we want to come to a church where it has everything that we possibly want, but we don't really have to do any of it. That's why some of those mega churches are so popular because people can slide in on a Sunday morning and they can get away with really not doing anything other than singing songs and listening to a great message. And then they can go about their week. They tithe maybe and they feel really good. They're doing the, the three things. They're tithing and they're singing and they're listening to a message. And, and then they can go home, they can go about their week and they love that. When a church our size, we can't afford to have that happen because that lack of participation, again, is glaring. It's glaring. And hopefully you're here at Crosspoint because you don't want an experience like that. You don't want to just come to church and leave and not have any have it have any effect on your life or not have any effect on it, on it. So today, I want to offer you encouragement and commission you to make it happen. If you have great ideas for our church, let's do it. And I want to hear them. But here's the thing, lead it. Lead it. Lead it. I don't know how. We can talk about that. We can talk about that, but take that idea by the reins and you make it happen. And you make it happen. See, the workers we have now, to just be frank, they're stretched thin. They're stretched thin. Phil would never tell you this, but man, and he probably don't want me to tell you this now, but I'm going to tell you anyways. The things that Phil does to make our church work, the amount that he takes on would make your head spin. There's literally no more room for him to do anything else. Andy works a complete other job. And I could say that for every staff position. To just be frank with you. So the workers that we have now, we're already stretched thin. And we just don't have any more room to take on anything else. We have lots of irons in the fire, so to speak. And listen, I love hearing new ideas and I love doing new things and I will support you and I will try them and I will support almost, almost anything. Almost anything. But I, I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna support you leading that. If you've got this great idea for something that you want done, I'm going to say that's wonderful, take charge. That's wonderful, take charge. Because frankly, I'm not going to do it for you and I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it for you either. Again, happy, not angry, just passionate about this. And I feel like it's going to make your life better. I will help you find volunteers. I'll be the best cheerleader. But I can't lead any other charge right now. And there's no one else who is on staff at our church 
that can lead another charge right now either. And so I'm asking you at home to really ask yourselves that question. How might I fulfill this purpose? How might I fulfill this universal purpose of becoming a fisher of men? Last question I want to ask you. It's not a main point or anything like that. It's just last question I want to ask you. Might it be, might it be that if God laid something on your heart for Crosspoint to do, he's asking you to harvest the crop. Think about that. Might it be that if God has laid something on your heart for Crosspoint to do, he's wanting you to be the harvester of the crop. He's wanting you to take charge. He's wanting you to lead that initiative. So many people say, I don't know what God's calling me to do, but yet they have all these ideas for the church. They didn't come out of nowhere. So accept that call. Again, this is all about becoming a better follower of Jesus. This whole series, to take up our cross, is to be a better follower of Jesus. Let's just listen to some biblical encouragement about being ones to give our time and our efforts towards becoming fishers of men. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. The one who waters will himself be watered. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among us will be the best servant, not the most intelligent, not the best looking, but the person who turns themselves into the best servant. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the me- with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I love this verse. I love this verse. You know what I think of? This, this is kind of weird, but when I think of this verse, I think of getting like chicken fried rice from Hong Kong Inn, one of the many Hong Kong Inns around town. Have you ever opened up that container? It's literally bursting. It is, you could eat on that thing for days. Why? Because they pack it in there and they press it down and they shake it down and they make sure that that thing is full to the brim and you get your money's worth. You see, when we give to God, what's returned to us is like that bucket of chicken fried rice. It's pressed down, it's shaken. He makes sure that he can get as much back to us in that blessing as we could possibly hope to receive. More than we need. More than we need. And the last verse I give to you is Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, even Jesus, even Jesus, the man who eventually had all the authority of heaven and of earth, didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. Didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. 
Again, the goal of a Christian is to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can be. So my challenge to you is this. Don't come to be served. Do not come to be served. Come that you might serve others. Come that you might serve others. Come that you might be a difference maker. Come that you might be a difference maker and through that you will be blessed. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. Hopefully this morning, Lord, we feel encouraged and not trampled on. Hopefully people understand that this is coming from a place of love and not from a place of anger or frustration. God, I just want what's best for all of us. I just want us all to be able to, frankly, live our best lives. And our best lives are being the best servants for Christ and for you in the world that we possibly can be. Help us to challenge our priorities in life. What's most important, being a servant to others or being comfortable? Having something necessarily fit in my schedule or showing others that there's a God out there that loves them more than anything in the world. Help us to see our everyday lives as a mission field. Help us to understand, God, that we don't have to travel thousands of miles, hundreds of miles, anywhere to be a disciple, anywhere to spread the good news, that we can do that every day on a day-to-day basis through the way we live our lives, through the way that we treat other people, and through the way that we follow you. Jesus, we ask you to bless each and every person who's been watching our sermon today, who's been here with us for service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
God, we believe that you are everlasting to everlasting. You never change. You never fail. Lord, whatever uh, prison we may find ourselves in, whatever mountain that may seem uh, unclimbable in in front of us that we see every single day, maybe, um, we trust in you and we know that you can bring us through this time. Lord, I know this is not the easiest time for people in the world, uh, and uh, a lot of us are um, uh, losing hope. But Lord, I pray... Lord, this morning for those people and and for myself, Lord, that have days where I just want this world to get back to normal. And I I see see the lyrics of the song and I read the text of your word and and I know that you are with us through all things, through every every circumstance. God, help us to, to shed our own desires, to shed the things that would take precedence and prevalence over you and, and what your word has commanded us to do. Lord, help us to take up our cross daily, daily, and follow you. Help us to, to see you throughout through this time, to have vision, Lord, that would be focused on who you are and not what we see around us. Give us eyes to see, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you for this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Love you.